All right, let's begin. As you're seating, uh, seating, as you're being seated, uh, I want to remind some of you of the announcements, just a quick announcements. If this is your first time, we have a card right in front of you, chances are, in the seat. We would love to send you just things that are happening at the church as well as giving you a free gift at the back at the end of the service. Also, the next couple of weeks, we have some special guests planned to being here. Uh, next Sunday, my father-in-law that just retired after about a thousand years of pastoring. You're listening, you're listening. He's going to be here next week, and you won't want to miss that. He is a man. He is a, a man. You know, sometimes I think that uh, uh, any questions about the Word of God, I can just ask him. You know, he's got that knowledge. And then the week following that, we have a special guest. We're flying him all the way in from this section. <laughs> Alex and Eddie are going to share about their mission in Cambodia, and we're going to take up an offering for them. We're going to support them in their missions as they uh, return to Cambodia and, and a few days, weeks, months. I know that they would like to go tomorrow, but when it opens up, they're ready and expecting to go and to, to share the love of God. So I want to encourage you to be here the next few weeks. And then November is full of good things. I'm just going to share this. In November, we're going to take a Sunday and we're going to, after service, uh, I'd like to think of it as marching, but we're going to walk down to the uh, Axiom Coffee and we're going to have lunch. We're going to ask you to buy lunch for yourself and your family. Uh, we are rolling out our third year anniversary and a whole nother menu of food. Uh, we're going to have, uh, I think it's called paninis, salads and different things like that. Um, I was blessed because I'm his father and I have to remind him of that often. I get invited to uh, the tasting, and we had a, a time that he uh, just rolled out, and the good news is I approve of this message. I, I, my son Mark was standing beside me, and every time they came out asking about the new menu, anybody want this one? Yes, 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 yes. At the end, somebody had to will us out. We had so much yes inside of us. I am so excited about this message. Let's pray and jump into it. Father, thank you for your wonderful grace in our life. And Father, just as Paul prayed as the church, as he started realizing how much they began to love you and to get in, in touch with you, he said that his desire, Paul's desire, was to pray that they would know God better so that they might know the hope that they had been called to. That the power that was in them was the same power that raised Christ from the dead. And Father, today, help us realize through this message and through the Holy Spirit revealing it to each one of us. It's powerful, powerful truth. In your wonderful name we pray, amen. We're gonna, I'm going to preach, and then we're going to have the worship team come up and, and uh, give you a chance to respond and, and just to worship God just at the end of the service. So prepare yourself for that. You know, as we're in this series, and it, it seems like it started like May of 2020, you know, way back there, and, and we brought it to this place of uh, 
the most important thing that you can do, as I've said, when you come to know God, is to know who God says He is. And, and we kind of summed it up, or I did, in the phrase, God is love. And, and, and I don't have time to go into all the detail to show you what we talked about, but remember that. Then we went into the next part, which was who God says you are when you come to know Him and make Him personal, not just Savior, you know, I, you know, and I won't be negative on this, but there's some people that are just into fire insurance, you know what I mean? Just getting them out of hell, but not only made him Savior of their life, but Lord of their life. And, and there's not an option. God says, I am the Lord and Savior. So, so when we understand that who God says we are, it says in the Bible that God made him that knew no sin to be sin in order that we might become the righteousness in Christ Jesus. So in that series, we summed it up as you are the righteousness in Christ Jesus. Pastor, you don't know what I've done. You, I, 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 don't be bringing that stuff in here. God says, you are all that I say that you are. He whispers in my ear that I'm fearless. See, some of us need to, as the song says, let the scales drop off of our eyes and let the truth be spoken of who you are in Christ Jesus. Because until you get that revelation of who God says you are, you're going to be the sweetest little worm as I, as the Bible says, or not the Bible, sorry, 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 as the hymn says. The Bible says nothing in context to you being a worm. We talked about those passages and how they take them out of context to demoralize you. Then we are in when you realize that this part of the series is the authority of the believer. This is where the church has pulled up short, and, and here's John Miller's opinion, is because the belief system of most Christians will get into the Word of God and believe it as the Word of God until it doesn't work out like they think. Then they build a belief system on only their experiences, and most of the time it is very shallow or needs very little faith to have that belief system. Therefore, they're correct most of the time. It's familiar, it's predictable, it's comfortable. And sometimes when people get into the Word of God and they hear the Word of God and they say, maybe, are you, did, I, where, where was that? I never, all of a sudden, then their belief system is challenged. And when people's belief systems are challenged, we talked about this, the, the monkey that is on all of our back that we have to fight is fear. And when our belief system is challenged, we'll get to the point that we'll either run or we'll fight. Fight or flag. Now this morning I'm asking you that have been here these weeks that you stay and listen to this. That the Word of God is alive and active. That means that it's not dead and written thousands of years ago and nobody really believes it. No, no, we, we believe it is alive and active, sharper than a two-edged sword. And it can do things in our life if we apply it by faith our lives now now this morning i quickly remind you that in the garden that god placed man and in garden he gave god man gave, god gave man everything that he needed it was all there 
We know in Psalms, the, the psalmist David said, Who is man that you made him and that you're mindful of him that he is a little lower than God? That's a pretty extravagant way of saying it. And I don't know about you, but I was raised in, in kind of a culture, not just my family, but in a culture that said, you're nothing. And if I'm nothing, then I really don't have to believe for much. I, I need to be thankful. But when you believe that God put man in originality, his original purpose was that man would have dominion on this planet, this earth. That the enemy came in and deceived man, and man gave away his dominion, his authority. And in the garden, God began a plan to redeem, to restore man back, not just where he was, come on now, but to be better than he even was. To give not just a covenant to, to Noah or to Abraham, but a better covenant that we call New Testament. A new covenant that is better than the old and better promises. Is anybody excited about that beside me? All right, just checking. I didn't know if you went home on me. Sometimes these lights are bright and I, I miss you. Okay, come on now. Just kind of give you a little background. We're a Pentecost church. You can say amen. It's not Nobody's going to run you out. You know, if you sit up front, you got to be a little crazy. So these crazy people up front aren't going to look back at you and go, oh, who's saying amen? Here is God's plan. He says, I'm, I'm going to send, and out of that woman, a seed is going to come that you're going to, the enemy will bruise the hill, but he's going to step on your head. And we see God's plan being carried out through the covenants that he put in place with man until the day that his son was born. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. You know, in a few months, we're going to be celebrating the birth of Jesus Christ. Virgin gives birth. We do not worship the baby Jesus. We worship the man Jesus that came for a purpose to die for you and I. When you think of all the things that went into place in those three years, that when he entered into ministry, we talked about it in, in, in the title of the message is Jesus, our champion. Part one, now we're going to talk about part two. We talked about last week how he came and, and he began the ministry by being baptized. John the Baptist baptized him and a as the dove, as a dove, not a dove, but as a dove, the Holy Spirit comes down and descends upon him. And the voice from heaven, God says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. He is anointed to do what he has come to do. The Bible then says that he goes into the wilderness. He is tempted by the enemy and he overcomes the enemy by saying what? It is written. He takes the word of God and combats. That, that's a... For you and I, that's a lesson that we need to learn. And it's a lesson that I'm still learning. Because sometimes I want to, you know, kind of, well, maybe, maybe, maybe. After the temptations, then he goes into the synagogue, remember, which was his custom. 
to go to church. Pastor, love that message right there. Make it your custom. He goes into the synagogue and he reads in Isaiah. Remember, I'm here to proclaim the good news for the poor. I've come to set the captives free. He says, I have come to give sight to the blind. I've come to set the oppressed free. And then he takes it, rolls up the scroll and hands it back. And everybody's looking at him and he says, today it's on. In other words, I, I've come. It, it's fulfilled. I've come to do those things. So, so if you don't believe who I am, just sit over there in the bushes if you want to and watch and watch how I have come to do those things. This morning, I, I, I think that from there to the, the cross, you realize you have heard it so many times as a believer. And, and, and you know how he goes and, and he, he, he does exactly what he's come to do. He, in, in portions of the passages in the gospel, he gets into places where the demons are crying out, Jesus, why have you come to torment us before our time? What we talked about this last week, and I, I love, I always go back to loving the fact that most of the time in those situations, Jesus just said, shut up. Quit saying who I am. Now, you would think that any kind of religious person or anybody that wasn't even a religious person would go, I know that guy is demon-possessed. And if he's got a spirit inside of him that knows who he is, and he begins to yell, he's the son of God, maybe I should listen. Maybe I should look and go, Jesus is the son of God. Wow. I'm sure... There were people that got the hell scared out of them, so to speak. We know that the whole story of the Last Supper, we know that he's arrested, he goes to the cross. But when we get to the point of believing that we have authority as a believer... There's a big portion of just what is left out in our, in our belief system of, well, where does that all begin to take place? Where does it all start making sense? Pastor John, I really am not understanding that. I'm so glad that you're here today. Turn to Colossians. Take out your digital device. And not only do memos, notes, but, but take some pictures because you're going to want to know this passage of Scripture the next time you get in a place that questions your authority and who Jesus is and what He did for you and I. Colossians, here's the verse that I want you to look at. We're going to look at just this main verse today. It's Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. Have you ever wondered what kind of celebration took place at the moment that the enemy was defeated? Now you got to remember that all heaven realized when Satan fell and a third of the angels went with him. Because we get a picture of that in the Gospels right before Jesus, watch this, right before Jesus sends out uh, his disciples, he said, I saw Satan fall from heaven. 
And then he said, I give you authority, as he sent him out, to heal the sick, to be over demons, and so forth. So can you just for a minute use your imagination? We have no uh, scriptures to prove this, but just use your imagination of what happened when all the heavenly hosts began to see the defeat of the enemy after all these years. And what happened in the, the heavenly realms when the enemy realized that he was defeated. This is just a, a vivid, I mean, talk about colorful picture. Even though we lose so much in the translation into English, I was talking kind of about this with uh, Bruno the other day. Uh, we were having coffee, and, and he said, you know, that he's studying Japanese. And I was like, Japanese? Good Lord, how smart are you? Japanese. And he said, there's this word, and he went, whatever he's saying, you know. He kind of waited, and I thought, I, I can't give interpretation for that. But it was Japanese. And he said, the meaning in English is this, and it was like vanilla. And then he said the meaning of what it really means in Japanese, and you're going, what? Today, I'm going to do that by using about four words out of this passage of Scripture in the Greek, and, and it's going to like, it's multicolored, just how vivid you're going to see how the defeat of the enemy is. Here's Jesus, and realize he is the Son of God, but when he comes, you'll hear him say over and over that he's the Son of Man, because you and I have been through this series, and we know now that he has, he has a body. He's flesh and blood. He's manifest in the, in the physical realm that you can see him. Everybody with me on that? He, Jesus is not a spirit, you know, whatever your background is on that. Boo! You know, spirit, or if it's Casper the Friendly, whatever. He's not a spirit. He's a man that has dominion because of his body. He's been given. Okay. And he did this for you and I. Watch this verse. In Colossians 2, verse 15. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a shoe, a show <laughs> of them openly triumphing over them in it. How many would say that that's a pretty easy verse and it's a pretty vanilla verse? But watch this as I take four words out of that. We're going to take the word spoiled. And then the second word, show. And then the third word, openly. And then the fourth is triumphing over them in it. Here's the celebration because the first word is spoiled. And, and I could give you the Greek word, but I would mispronounce it. And you probably, maybe, but probably would not remember it. So I want you just to understand that these words in Greek, this word in Greek that says spoiled, it means to actually to strip off or to put off as one would put off a garment. This would could dis, uh, to describe the disarming of an enemy. Actually to stripping one to the point of complete nakedness. Now look at that. And having spoiled principalities and powers, that's the enemy. You remember later in the Paul will say, we do not war against flesh and blood, but 
So the enemy, he, the Bible, Paul is describing, and, and as he's describing this in the Greek, he says this word that all of a sudden pops in the early church list. He actually, the enemy is actually stripped of everything that he had to use against you and me and mankind. In history, when if the history that I've read is right, is is when uh, Julius Caesar went and defeated the Gauls, Vercingetorix, uh, I believe is his name. Yeah, whatever he said. Vercingetorix. You guys know the Bible. You know history too, right? All right, okay. That when, he, when Julius Caesar defeated the Gauls, he brought this general that had united the whole countryside, hundreds of thousands of Gauls together, and he defeated him. He brought this enemy, and this word describes exactly what he did. He stripped him of everything to the point of nakedness to walk in front of Julius Caesar to bow. Now, years later, Paul is going to use this word again just like he does when he uses the Roman uh, armor, you know, to describe people would realize what, he, what he's saying because of what was happening right at that time. And when Paul uses that, that God having spoiled the enemy forces, he brought him before him and defeated him and therefore stripping everything that he had that would be used. Think about it. When he defeated the enemy, he threw the biggest party, I believe, that the universe ever saw to that point. And it says this second word. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made show of them. That word in the Greek literally means to display or to express something. Or I'm not express, to expose something. Let me say it again. To display or to expose something. It was used even in classic Greek to describe that when it would be a, a defeat would happen, that the triumphing general would put on display and expose all the things of the defeated country. Now watch this. The, the, the victor would bring the captives from that country in front of him. He would bring the weaponry and all the trophies that were seized during the war in that foreign country. Why would he do that? Because he was planning a trip home. And in capturing all these captives and all this armatry and everything that was used against his country, he would collect because he would march that home. The soldiers were there. They saw it, but the people at home that were under constant fear of this enemy were going to experience the victory too later so the emperor the conqueror would come in and they would take all these things again it literally means to display or to expose something it was a humiliating experience for the enemy listen it's not over it says this and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them. Now that word right there, uh, the, the word 
he made a show of them, but he made it openly. This is, this is, mm. why would he do that if it wasn't for you and I? In the Greek, that word openly, listen to this, it denotes boldness, confidence, or something that is done blatantly or even, ready, publicly. By using that word in the Greek, again, it was expressing, I am the king, I am the conqueror, I'm doing this boldly, I'm doing this with loud, blatant, publicly, that everybody around, all the heavenly host, are going to witness who has been defeated and who is the conqueror. I hope you're listening because every time that the enemy comes to you and lies, that's all he's got now. Remember this. He did it openly, showing confidence. Let's go on. The last part of it, it says this, that he made show of them openly. Listen to this phrase. Triumphant or triumphing over them in it. That, that phrase right there in the Greek, it describes the general or the emperor and how that he had planned from the beginning of the battle and the war's end to have what is called a glorious parade. See, when the news reached back to the country of the victor, the people would become overwhelmed that the enemy that had threatened them for so long had been finally defeated. And then all the people began to, to plan and to begin to think, how is this going to come? How is this going to go? How are we going to see this parade to its fullest? And history would say, as the gates swung open, the mighty warrior would ride through and the celebration would begin. Now, now let me just stop here. Because a lot of times in America, we, we, don't, we, we need something to, you know, to kind of hold on to, to kind of compare. And there's nothing really in our history that compares to what God did for us as Christians. But some of us remember, even if we remember through books and history, of the day that Pearl Harbor was bombed and... Roughly 2,500 soldiers died on that day and, and medical or uh, military personnel on that day. 25, and a country all of a sudden began to, to fear an enemy and what could happen. Now fast forward all the way to what we call VJ Day, Victory in Japan Day. Do you remember pictures of VJ Day? Come on now. I remember going, and some of you have gone to Key West, and they've got that, that famous picture, but it's a statue. Do you remember that? Where, where the, the sailors kissing and the girls' legs like that right there, huh? There was a celebration on that day because the enemy had been defeated. This, this phrase of being a triumph and triumphing and being a victor over the enemy Listen to this. 
a lot of times in history when, when the Romans or the Greeks would do this, they, the, the victor, the, the general, the, the emperor, the conqueror would set astride a large, beautiful white stallion draped in his kingly, regal garments and wearing a bright, shining crown on his head. And every time that the emperor, he would lead the battle into the city gates as a triumphal parade would take place. In history, the citizens of that country that were the victor would celebrate by dancing. Oh, oh quit, quit dancing. We don't do it. And they would sing. Quit. Sh- no, no, nobody was quieting anybody. Because the enemy had been defeated and now the prisoners were set free of that fear. There was dancing and they said that a lot of times it was joyously turning around in circles was the dance. I was raised in a conservative family that, you know, we didn't dance because dancing was uh, defined by having both feet off of the ground at one time. So we kind of did this. Anybody with me on that? You ought to see a church service from the back. Everybody's. There's none of this. You know, oh, hey, whoa, whoa. Where's the usher? Somebody get over that. But do you think there was anybody on the day of the triumphal entry of the parade saying, quit, cut that out? About it, the enemy took everything that who we are was defeated. There, 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 there was. I, I am sure that there was a heavenly host of praise and worship going on on that day. Even though mankind, to a certain point, didn't get it, we wouldn't get it for years later. But what was happening in the heavenly realms was a party second to none. That throughout all these generations that man was under that oppression. History would say that, that a lot of times that the most exciting point of it was when the, the, the emperor would come in and he would go down in front, down the main road, his palace. Now listen to this. In order to display the victory, the returning victor would parade behind, or I'm sorry, that everybody that was behind the king would follow with, first of all, the foreign king that was defeated in chains. Everybody that was part of the country could visibly and actually see the defeated foe marching in chains behind the victor. Behind him were the ruling men and the leaders of that country bound. Further back in the procession was loaded down with carts flowing with the spoils of war that was brought back home. These captives from that country. Proof 
that they had been conquered and completely spoiled. But the history that I was reading, at the peak of the parade, at the most exciting point, is a lot of times when they called it the Song of the Victor. The emperor would sing a song of victory. And he, as he rode his horse through the city gates and into the city, the people would be celebrating, but it said that it would throw the crowd into a frenzy when the emperor would sing. And he would sing something like this. The enemy is defeated. The foe is conquered. Let it be known that I am still the king and I'm still on the throne. With those Greek phrases put into that passage of scripture, it could actually read like this. Jesus completely stripped principalities and powers and left them utterly naked. Nothing was left at their disposal by which to retaliate. He boldly, confidently, loudly, blatantly, and publicly exposed and displayed this now defunct foe. Leading a gallant triumphal parade in celebration of the enemy's defeat and his victory. This morning, listen to me. There is no explicit biblical account of this. But this revelation of what Paul put in Colossians gives us the thought of how it went down. If it was anything similar to what was happening in the history of man in their defeat of, of different countries and different things, that this is the thing that Paul used in the words that he used describing what happened to Satan this morning. To realize that at this point in this series, as we come to an end in this part, I want you to see, and, and this morning I'm going to ask our ushers if they would just take a few minutes and pass out this little handout. And what it is, it is a, a confession and a prayer to remind you of this series, and, and especially to today. And what I want you to do is put this somewhere, as, as I've often said, that that you can bring this back to your remembrance. And to, to, again, remind yourself of who God says that you are. Go ahead, gentlemen, just pass them out. I think we have plenty of nine. If there's some husbands, wife ones, share them. That's fine, too. But realize, as Jesus dies... On the cross for you and me. That he nails our sins to the cross. He says it is. Remember when, when he rolls up the scroll. And he says today this is fulfilled. In other words watch this. I'm going to fulfill the passage in Isaiah. 
And then you go all the way to the end of the scripture of the crucifixion, not the end of the, the whole story, but into the crucifixion. And he's on the cross and he says, right before he dies as a man, it is finished. I've done what I've come to do, and that is to redeem and to restore mankind because I'm taking the sins from them. If they put their faith, if they believe in me, they shall not perish but have everlasting life. By doing that, look at the ascension right before he leaves earth in Matthew chapter 28. I've got this passage that I'm giving you. He says, it is written that Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Do you realize all authority was given to Jesus because he fulfilled the purpose of what he came for? Now, now watch this. As we are adopted, man, this is just so awesome, is that when we sing songs like that we're not an orphan anymore. What? Why? Because God chose us. We, we didn't even choose him. You know what I mean? Until the day that we make him Lord and Savior. He chose us. To be a part of his family. We sing songs like that. I, I want you to know that because when we sing those songs, you're, you remember. Do you, do you remember the, the whole sermon when I preached about... Ephesians chapter 1 says that every spiritual blessing is, is Jesus says, I, I'm sitting in heavenly realms. All authority has been given to me. And, and, and then in the second chapter, Paul writes, and that God has seated us with him in those heavenly places. If I love you guys, so I want to say this as soft and as loving and as touchy-touchy as I can, okay? If this authority has been given you and you do not take it, that is on you. So if you get to the place where you just, you know, you just, just and I, I'm not talking about arrogance I'm not talking and people you know go all the way over to very arrogance and then all the way over to false humility but there, there's a balance of saying I'm walking in my authority when, when somebody says you know um, I got this pain in my arm do you mind if I pray for you right now because you, you believe you have authority I know, but what will they think of me? Don't, don't take your authority. That's on you. But there's so many things that are going on in the world that is around you that's yelling. Do you have authority or do you not? You need authority. God says to give through me to you because you have the body. Do you know what gives you authority? All of it's a legal document. And some of you need to go home and look for it. It's called a, 
birth certificate. And if you were born on this planet, God has given you authority. And you need, this is kind of, kind of a little bit kooky, okay? But, but it, it's a point. Go get your birth certificate, and every time that you have a problem and the enemy tries to speak to you about who you are, <laughs> i got a body. I've got dominion on this earth. You're a spirit. You have no... Okay, now, now take all that you've been taught, and I, I know that you got to process this, and, and I'm encouraging you to take that little sheet home and, and read those passages and confess that over your life, but get into the Word of God. Be a self-feeder. I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up, and, and they're going to sing a song. I, I want you to process what you're saying out of your mouth, the confession through the song, and I, I just want you to say, God, first of all, Again, can I repeat what I've said so many times? God does not love me because I'm special. But I'm special because God loves me. There's a whole different way of looking at it. And as soon as you get that, all of a sudden you go, oh my goodness, God, I, I, it's all about you. Let, let's stand. We've got about five, ten minutes and let's just worship. Then, then I'm going to talk about there's an offering plate at the end where you need to go and, and all the good stuff. But just can we just for a few minutes process and respond? Ooh, listen.